Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Fertility Warriors podcast. My name is Robin Birkin. I'm the author of the blog Modern Day Misses, and you'll find some great articles on fertility there. And I'm also the author of the book on Amazon called Screw Infertility, which talks about my experience with infertility uh, and how I got past those really tough times, uh, especially a couple of really tough times for me. So episode seven today is about 11 questions to ask your fertility specialist. Before I start though, I just wanted to say a big shout out to all the lovely people who have reached out to me um, in the last two weeks or so with feedback on the podcast. You have absolutely made my day. I've been walking around with a smile on my face. I'm so thrilled that you're enjoying the podcast. So thank you very much. If anyone else out there is listening and has found this helpful, I would be ever so grateful for a review on iTunes. You just go into iTunes, find the Fertility Warrior podcast and submit a review. And I would be eternally grateful uh, if anyone would be willing to do that. So as I said, episode seven today is about 11 questions to ask your fertility specialist. If you're anything like me, you spend the days before you go to see your fertility specialist thinking of questions that you're going to ask because you want to get your money's worth and you want to be intelligent and you want to educate yourself. But then you get in there and the fertility specialist is like 30% sandwich antagonist, this cycle, this cycle, this drug, this drug, this is how you do it. This is what the next plan is if that doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. And you walk out there and go, oh man, I forgot to ask my questions. You were so focused on what they were talking to you about that you forgot to ask all the questions <laughs> that you were planning to ask. Or you might be the type of person who is very new to all of this and you have your first appointment coming up and you it's so new to you that you have no idea what you might ask uh, the clinic. So if you're either one of those people, then this is definitely the podcast episode for you. Uh, and just a word on asking questions and things like that. If you are the type who is too shy or too scared to ask questions, but you do have questions or you would like to ask questions, then I absolutely think do it. This is your journey. This is your body and you know it like nobody else. And this is something that's really important to you. And, you know, if you don't understand and you need to understand things more, um, then you are paying this person the equivalent of the gross domestic product of a third world country. So I definitely think that it's your right to ask any questions that you wish to ask. Um, and I think it's really important to trust your fertility specialist. Uh, but more so than that, I think it's really important to have a fertility specialist whose judgment and advice you can trust. And how do you know what that whether you can trust them without doing a bit of research and without educating yourself first. So I absolutely think that that's important. And then once you find a specialist who you can trust, um, I definitely think that theirs is the opinion that you should take as the highest opinion. They're the person who nerded out at high school, then spent a billion years at university and still every year has to study and then is now does this full time. If you are looking for a specialist uh, or someone to help you on your fertility journey, you absolutely may need to make sure that the person you are seeing who you are trusting with your journey is somebody who does this full time because then they know they're not, you know, like looking at, they're not an obstetrician half the time. They're not doing this half the time. Their focus is on helping women get pregnant. So you'd absolutely need to do that. And then they're the person who's 
private yacht and island in the Bahamas you're funding. So you're not funding your acupuncturist's um, holiday home. You're not funding your naturopath's home. You are providing the most money and trusting um, the most uh, expertise to your fertility specialist. So if they give you advice and you've done your research and you want to put your trust in them, then absolutely theirs is the opinion that I would take as number one. And I like to think about it as you're an A-grade um, football player and the fertility specialist is your coach. Uh, and that, But you know that there's definitely other people on the team helping you. You know, you've got your physiotherapist, your diet manager, things like that. That's all of your other complementary therapists and things like that. But the number one person whose opinion uh, you should trust and seek is that of your fertility specialist. So you're going into an appointment. You don't want to forget what you've got to ask. So you definitely want to print out. So before you start uh, frantically writing with a pen and paper, if you head to the show notes of this episode, so you go to modern day misses and then you go to the menu item that says podcast and click on episode seven, uh, then you will see that I've got uh, a download for you. So I've down, I've typed out all of the questions and so you can just print that off uh, if you want to and I'm sure that that will be helpful for many of you and there's a little column down the right that says appointment notes so you can either write some notes during the appointment or if you have some additional questions that you'd like to ask you can write that on the piece of paper as well. So now that I've got that long intro out of the way here are some of the questions that I think could be helpful for you to ask your fertility specialist. So the first one that I'm going to say is, are you able to tell me the success rates of your clinic? So I think this is really important. And I think that it's really important for you to also understand how those figures are calculated. So some clinics will count, separate the figures for women who are over 35 and under 35. So I think that's important to note. Some uh, clinics will just look at the pregnancy rates. Some will look at the live birth rates. Some of them might look at the rate of women uh, who have sustained a pregnancy to 20 weeks, or some might class a pregnancy as those who have seen a heartbeat. So I think that's a really important thing to ask. So what are their success rates? Um, and then delve further into how those success rates are calculated. And I think it's also uh, quite interesting perhaps to also ask the success rates of intrauterine insemination or IUIs, because a lot of us will often be recommended uh, for an IUI. And that's you know, like a rung down on the expense ladder. So a lot of us will often at some point end up doing that. Uh, and then you can also make the judgment if they recommend to that, to that you do an IUI as to whether that is something that you think would be worthwhile based on the success rates. So the next one uh, I would recommend is to ask what tests do they run to try and diagnose your problem and for screening purposes. So often when you have your first appointment at a fertility clinic, they will, they'll test you. So for us, we had a number of blood tests uh, and that included the screening one. So they test you for like hepatitis, AIDS, um, a few general like vitamin levels and things like that. Uh, we also had a genetic test. Uh, we both had a physical exam uh, Ross had a sperm test uh, and then I did a tracking cycle. So for the course of a month, they tracked my hormones and I also had uh, an HSG um, as well. So I think it's important to understand what tests they're running. And I, really, I maybe I'm over the top, but I always like to get a printout of those tests because sometimes, as I say, when you're in those appointments, 
they read things out really quickly and you don't have time to actually look at it yourself. And if you ever get a copy of the blood tests, they're actually really easy to analyze because the one column well, on the ones that I get says like, this is what your level is. And then if you go onto the right hand side, it says this is what the normal range is. So you can even see, you know, like where you are on that range. So if the normal range for something is 10 to 40 and they say, yep, you're in the normal range, but you're actually on 11, then <laughs> you might want to look like ask your naturopath or something like that if there's a way that you can maybe improve that so that it's at more of an optimal level, like 25 or something like that. And sometimes, you know, if they're checking your thyroid, uh, there's like when they check your thyroid and likewise when they check your iron, there's a single test that they can do. But you can sometimes get like additional tests. So they should be testing your T3 and your T4 thyroid levels because that can also be an indication that there might be a thyroid problem. And thyroid problems, iron problems are big things for fertility. So if you get a copy of those results, then you can check for yourself. And if you find out whether they're testing or not, um, then that's something that's important as well. So you might then want to ask how often they repeat the blood tests. So if you're at a fertility clinic for five years, things can change. So they definitely want to be repeating those blood tests and not just do it once at the start. So for my journey uh, in particular, when I first started at the fertility clinic, they tested my ANA levels. And that's kind of a marker for whether there might be something fishy going on with your immune system. It doesn't point as to what might be wrong, uh, but it can just tell you sort of whether it's switched on or not. And when I first went to the fertility clinic, which was Valentine's Day 2013, uh, they didn't, it was fine. But then when we tested later, there was something, it was elevated or it was positive, which indicated that something was wrong. Then they retested me a few weeks later in case it was like a passing infection or something and it was still high. Now, a few years after that, it's still positive. The, the only times that I've fallen pregnant is when I've been on prednisolone and aspirin, which are things that suppress your immune system. So whether there's something going on or not, or it's a coincidence, you know, we, if we hadn't retested, we wouldn't have known that. So I could still be at the fertility clinics dropping lots of hard cash and having a hard time because I was still trying to fall pregnant. So I think it's important that routine blood tests and sperm tests and things like that are repeated periodically. The next thing you can ask them is, is there anything you can do at home, something that's lifestyle related to improve your chances of conceiving? Um, so to some fertility specialists, some of this might be second nature. They might not even think about it. But I think it's important for you to understand because they might not always understand what your diet is, what your lifestyle is. Um, but I think it's also important to get their take on things. So because different specialists might be looking at different sets of results and analyze and interpret those differently. Um, so for example, you just might want to know what things out there are no-nos. So for example, your husband sits in a sauna all day or your husband rides a bike for four hours every day. Well, they're obviously detrimental to sperm, but they're lifestyle related. And there's not really much that your fertility specialist can do about that. That's something that you need to do and you might not know what those things are. So I think it's important for them to give you a rundown of the things that they think could uh, be harming your fertility from a lifestyle perspective. You might drink 12 cups of coffee a day. And that is definitely a no-no as well. Uh, so, you know, I think it's 
you know, and especially once you get your results as well, let's say that your husband has a high level of DNA fragmentation in his sperm, then you can ask, okay, well, is there anything at home that I can do to improve this? And I think one of the reasons why it's also helpful to have a copy of the blood test results is because, as I say, you might have just skated in at the baseline acceptable level of something, but it doesn't mean that it can't be improved and it can't be at an optimal level. Um, And regardless of whether you still would need some assistance in the fertility department, it might just mean that the quality of sperm are a bit better, that the um, quality of your eggs are a bit better, or that you might yield more eggs when it comes to a time for a retrieval. So I definitely think that there is always room for uh, more optimal results, uh, which would hopefully result in you falling pregnant with a successful pregnancy sooner, uh, which is obviously much less heartache and um, much less dollars, um, dollars that you can spend on hopefully a little baby. Um, So along those lines, um, I think you should ask if there are any complementary therapies they recommend. So our fertility specialist actually recommended acupuncture to me. Uh, So I was seeing a naturopath as it is. Uh, But I think it's uh, quite important to understand what their take is on it. Um, So my uh, fertility specialist didn't really put much faith in naturopaths, but did recommend acupuncture. And I did both for a while there. But it's quite good to get their take on it because then I think you can kind of see what what you discuss with them and what you don't. And I don't think you should, I'm not saying do anything behind their back, uh, but I'm just saying, you know, like, you can suss out how they feel about it and you can get a, an idea of what their position on those therapies is. You can then ask if there are any supplements they recommend or any herbs or food they don't recommend. So I think this is really important. So some of us might skip through an appointment. We might not even talk about it, but we might have someone out there like an acupuncturist who, and obviously sometimes it's really hard, I think, for different specialists and different people and things like that to comprehend that you might have a team of people. And often when we're going through fertility treatments, we do have a team of people trying to help us achieve that goal of a baby. Um, And there was a certain point in my treatment when my specialist said to me, well, actually, you shouldn't be taking any Chinese herbs or medicines because they can affect the success of the hormones and things like that that we're giving you. And I hadn't have known that if I hadn't, had discussed that with him. So, and I think it was me who initiated that. So I think it's really important because you don't want to compromise. And this is where I come back to the start. The person you're paying the most money to is your fertility specialist. They're the person that is working the most magic. So you wouldn't be spending a small fortune with them and going to them if you had planned to look at uh, or consider the word of your acupuncturist first. And the acupuncturist, that's not their speciality either is these fertility drugs. So I think it's really important to trust what your fertility specialist says. And if they say don't take any herbs uh, from this particular thing or don't take this or you know don't eat this food, then that's really important advice to take. But it's something that you might need to initiate in the conversation to learn whether or not um, they uh, think that that's a good idea or not. So quite often, Uh, when you are undergoing fertility treatments, you will undergo um, 
a tracking cycle, which may involve no drugs and just them monitoring your hormones. And then if you undertake any kind of fertility treatments, you will have these regular blood tests. So for me, uh, and here in Western Australia, often it is a case of when your cycle starts, you go for a blood test. That blood test checks that all of your levels are baseline. Then at about day seven, day eight, uh, they start testing you pretty much every day to check that your luteinizing hormone and your um, estrogen are increasing. Uh, and then that can give them an indication of when you're ovulating. Then after that, they will check uh, over the course of the cycle if your progesterone is increasing. Now, the reason why I, the next question is, are you able to explain to me what you're looking for along the course of the month in terms of blood tests? The reason why I say that you should ask this is because I think you need to understand. I think absolutely place your trust in your fertility specialist, but you need to understand exactly what's going on. I think it's really important that you're not just going into all of this blind. Um, so I want, I think that it's important for them to explain to you. They can show you diagrams and things like that, and they can explain to you what they're looking for, why you're going for these blood tests, um, and things like that. And that might give you a better understanding of how to interpret and anticipate symptoms, uh, etc. So the next question I think that you should ask is, are you able to tell me about access to counselling sessions and how that works? So in here in Australia, there are actually, um, I guess, guidelines that govern the fertility clinics that uh, state that they should uh, offer counselling services for all patients undergoing IVF. But even in the United States, anywhere else, and within Australia, I'm sure there are differences between fertility clinics. And for me, there... When I was, I only started doing IVF when I was about a year into um, my fertility treatments. And if you're anything like me, that year that you spend before you even get to the fertility clinic is one of the toughest years. And then you get thrown into a fertility clinic and that's really tough as well. By the time I got to IVF, I actually felt like I kind of had this stuff sorted, uh, but I didn't. It was my fault because I didn't really look into what counselling services might have been available to me earlier. And so then, it was only once I started IVF. So by that time, you know, I'd spent about a year trying on my own. I'd spent about a year at the fertility clinic, and then I was going into IVF. And my clinic had com a compulsory counselling session at that point. And I thought to myself, gee, I could have used this when I first started going to the fertility clinic, but I had never myself asked the question about how it works. Is it free? Is it paid? Do I just make an appointment? You know, is it only available to IVF clients or can I access that straight away? I never asked any of those questions and it may well have been free and available to me when I first started at the fertility clinic. And I may have been able to learn some helpful strategies to help myself along the way had I asked those questions. Um, so I think that's really important. The next question I think you should ask is, is there an opportunity for me to get a printout or email of my test results? And I've kind of discussed this already previously. It's really easy to analyze your own results, but also if your naturopath is anything like mine, they'll be like, oh yeah, give me a copy of those test results. And it's really helpful doing that because they can then look themselves um, at those test results. And like I say, sometimes you might just skid in um, 
in the baseline sort of area, but there might be things that you can do that are lifestyle related to improve those. And that's where a naturopath comes in handy because they're really good at that whole lifestyle um, thing. So what you can do for yourself to improve your results. And also they can sit there and go, oh, they didn't test for um, an MTFHR um, deficiency or disorder. Oh, that's interesting. They didn't test you for the full range of thyroid. Maybe that's something to consider. Um, so that's where I think it can be really handy to get a print out of your test results or an email. Uh, and I know that when I was going through uh, everything, I actually used to keep a spreadsheet of my blood test results when I was having my monthly blood tests. And then I could compare them with different cycles. So, you know, like when I was doing a retrieval cycle, I could compare, oh, that's what my estrogen levels are and that's what my progesterone levels are. And wow, you know, my progesterone levels, my, that at one point they were about 4,200, which is bananas. And I could see that on the spreadsheet because I'd been tracking that uh, for all of the previous months as well. So I definitely think that that's really helpful. Um, because then you can see for yourself how things compare. You can analyze for yourself. You can educate yourself. And it's not necessarily, you know, always to take action, but it just gives you a better idea of what they're looking for and what they're doing. And it gives you more confidence in the treatment that you're receiving as well. Now, two more questions that I have. Um, so question number 10 is for anyone there who is over or underweight, and I think you should ask if there are any weight restrictions on IVF. So my clinic I know has recently put a restriction on women who are either side uh, of that spectrum. And I think when they first did it, there was like a real outrage and a backlash. But the reason why they did it is because the success rates uh, for people, uh, particularly who are overweight, are much lower uh, so I think they don't want to waste people's money on this treatment. But I think it's important to ask up front, you know, what the impact of weight could be if you are over or underweight. Um, and just on that note, I always remember that, that an email that they printed and put up on the notice board of a woman who said that she was told she was overweight and they said, well, I'm sorry, but you don't fit the category for IUI or IVF, so you're going to have to lose weight and come back. And she wrote that she was outraged. She wrote that she was absolutely outraged. How dare they refuse me for treatment? This is what I want in my life. I can't believe it. They rejected her for treatment, and she ended up you know, begrudgingly joining Weight Watchers or trying to lose weight herself. Um, she lost, uh, you know, maybe like 15, 20 kilos and then fell pregnant naturally. And she wrote this email to the clinic saying, you know, at the time I was just outraged. I was so angry, but, you know, it was something that I need to hear. So, you know, I really appreciated the frank um, conversation, I guess, that the fertility specialist had with me and, you know, who was looking out for my best interests, although it didn't seem like it at the time in recommending that. But I think that's a helpful thing. Um, to know um, because sometimes you just you might need a shove in the right direction but also there's no you know that's something that you need to understand up front if you're at one of your first appointments um, because you don't necessarily want to continue going along this path if they might not be able to help you in the end anyway. The very last question so question 11 is is there access through the clinic to any mind, body or stress relief courses? Uh, so this is kind of similar to counselling. If you don't know, then you won't go. Uh, so, and they might well have discounts or free sessions. My um, 
Fertility Clinic has recently started free yoga sessions, which I think is fantastic. And research has actually shown recently that uh, people who are really good at, you know, like that positive thinking and, you know, managing their stress levels and things like that, um, people who are really good at that have ha- have improved success rates uh, with uh, fertility treatment. So I think that that's a really important statistic. And the statistic that I read was that it's up to 50% more successful. So if there are access to those courses, things that they might have affiliate affiliations with, then that's definitely something to check out. And as I say, you don't know um, if you don't ask the question and you can't go if you don't know. So I definitely ask the question. So those are my 11 questions. And as I said at the beginning, Um, Don't be afraid to ask questions of your fertility clinic uh, and your specialist. It's really important. It's your money. It's your life on the line. And with, unfortunately, fertility treatments and things like that, there is a ticking clock. So for us, especially if we're using our own eggs. So it's important to understand, to get educated, to find out the clinic's stance on a lot of things. So and it's up to you to empower yourself uh, with this information. As I said at the beginning as well, if you would like a printout of these questions, then head to the Modern Day Misses website and where I've got a a printable download of these questions that has a little note section on the side too. Thank you for listening to episode seven. I would love, love, love any reviews that you would be willing to make on iTunes. And thanks for listening again. Stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.